Our scripture lesson today on the Pentecost comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. Peter addresses the crowd. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents to, in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Bow your heads in prayer. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Today is Pentecost, and when I, when I started looking at, at that and I talked to Katie and I said, at first, it's like, well, really should have the minister preaching on Pentecost, but then as you read through the scripture, maybe it is fitting that we have a lay person talking about Pentecost. So I, I started looking at what I wanted to title this sermon, and I came up with Start a Fire in My Soul. It's one of my favorite songs by the group Unspoken. So today is Pentecost Sunday, and many people may not know why Pentecost Day is special or why we celebrate it. So what is so special about Pentecost, and why do we celebrate it? Well, I'm going to share a top ten list of things that I think you should know about Pentecost. Number one, Pentecost Sunday marks the day when the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples. Number two, did any of you realize that Pentecost Sunday occurs 50 days after Easter? Number three, the Bible records the acts of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, which we just read. Number four, Pentecost comes 10 days after the ascension of Jesus Christ. Number five, 
Pentecost is also known as the birthday of the church. Number six, Pentecost fulfills Christ's promise to send the counselor and spirit of truth. This is found in the book of John, chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. But now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Number seven. Pentecost launches a large-scale spreading of the gospel after Jesus' ascension, as found in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. Number eight. The Pentecostal movement derives its name from the New Testament events found in Acts chapter 2. Number nine. The Jews also celebrate Pentecost, but not for the same reason as the Christians. The celebration by Jews of Pentecost is to observe God giving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai 50 days after the Exodus. The Pentecost in Jewish tradition takes place 50 days after the Passover. Number 10. In Western churches, Pentecost is usually represented by the color red, which symbolizes the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's why we were asked to wear red today. So last year, I, along with what Several other members of the church received a letter. We were being asked if we'd be willing to serve on what was called a visioning committee for the church. Now, I can't tell you what was going through the minds of the other members when they received these letters, asking if they'd make this commitment to serve on the committee. I can tell you what my initial thought was. This is going to be a huge time commitment. I'm not sure I have the time. I'm already serving on the finance committee. I already am on the admin board busy at work. I'll, I'll be honest, I put the letter down knowing that it was a good chance it was going to get lost. A couple days later, Karen showed me the letter and asked me where I, she would like me to put it. I, I took the letter and read through it again. I put it back down. Probably thinking again that it, it'll go somewhere, right? Well, the very next night, Karen brought the letter to me again and said, so what do you want me to do with this? At that time, I realized that God was working through Karen. He was not going to let me ignore the call to serve on this committee. God has a way of doing that to you, working through others to not let you take the easy way out. I realized that God was in a not-so-subtle way telling me that it was time for me to make a commitment not to just be involved in church. Now, I'm going to give 
you an example that I have used throughout my career about how I see being committed versus being involved. So if, if you ate breakfast and you had bacon and eggs or sausage and eggs this morning, or if you like sausage and egg or bacon and egg for breakfast, do you like, does anybody here like that? This is participatory. Come on, now work with me. Okay, so you, you like bacon and eggs for breakfast. So now, so let me tell you about that chicken that laid the egg for your breakfast. She was involved. She was involved with your breakfast. That pig that the bacon came from, they were committed. Amen? Amen. And I mean by that, there's no turning back and once you're committed to that. So God is asking for us to be committed just as the apostles were committed to the birth of the church. So as the Stride Committee has met over the past eight to nine months, we have tackled many questions. But one question that has really challenged many of our thoughts was the following one. Are we at Beersford Zion United Methodist Church fulfilling or carrying out the mission that we have as a church? So does anybody know what our stated mission is here at Beersford Zion? And if you're on the committee, you can't answer the question. Anybody, anybody want to volunteer a guess? Okay, if you're on the committee, you can say it. It's on, it's, it's, it's on the bulletin. Yeah. Extending Christ's mission through open minds, open hearts, and open doors. Now, that sounds like a great mission. So we're supposed to extend Christ's mission. What is Christ's mission? To make disciples. Man, somebody must have read my sermon. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 19, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Christ's mission set forth in the Great Commission was to make disciples. Therefore, the mission of our church and all churches is to make disciples. And once we become a disciple ourselves, what is our mission? Make more disciples. We're starting to get this rolling. So we're supposed to make more disciples. So how do we propose here at Beers for Zion United Methodist Church about doing this? How are we going to do it? How is it going to happen? Well, that is something that we've been tackling within the Stride Committee. So the Stride Committee, and I'm going to name everybody, so if you're sitting here, you don't have to stand, but the Stride Committee is, consists of Pastor Katie, Kathy Hill, Kathy Stusey, Ashley Sharp, Angie Henderson, Rhonda Peterson, Chuck Von Eschen, Shelby Dawkins, and myself. We've been working together on what we've identified as the BZUMC Discipleship Journey. The discipleship journey is segmented around three core areas. Learn, community, and serve. Under the area of learn, we feel every disciple, from the smallest child to the oldest adult, should make learning a regular part of their faith. At Beersford Zion United Methodist, we offer multiple opportunities to learn about God in your faith 
Some examples would be Lighthouse Book Study, Sunday School, Confirmation, Membership Classes, Tough Topic Tuesdays, which, by the way, are not on during the summer, Youth Group, and many more. For those who are interested, we are actually starting two small group adult studies this summer on Wednesday evenings at 7.15 following the Open Door Worship. Breathe, a five-week study by Priscilla Shire will be led by Kathy Stusey. And what on earth am I here for is a six-week study by Rick Warren that I will be leading. Everyone is welcome to attend. Under community, we feel every disciple should make participating in the community of faith a priority in their life. Some examples of community opportunities here at BZUMC include worship services, men's breakfast, Tough Topic Tuesdays, choir, prayer team, and many others. And under the area of serve, we feel every disciple should make a service a regular part of their faith. Example service opportunities would include Sunday school teachers. We're always looking for those, right? Small group leaders, church leadership, fellowship hosts, worship volunteers, volunteering at the banquet, and many other opportunities. Now, with everything that I have covered, you might be wondering, what does this have to do with Pentecost and the title of my sermon? An article by Kevin Davis, he interviewed the lead singer of Unspoken to get the story behind the song, Start a Fire. Kevin interviewed lead singer Chad Madsen, and he asked him what the personal story behind writing the song was. Chad's response was, I remember traveling several months ago in our van. I was along with our bass player, and he and I and Seth Mosley wrote this song together. We were talking about feeling complacent and unfulfilled in our walks with God. We were serving God and using our gifts and doing all these things, but what is it that we were missing? The comment came up that we wish God would start a fire in our soul. We went to our notepads and iPhones and wrote down that idea for a song. When we got to write the song, we based the song on a couple different scriptures. One is Matthew 5 when Jesus talked to us about us being a light and to let it shine. All the ways to let our light shine and the things we shouldn't do with our light, like put it in a under a bowl or under a bed. We're supposed to be a city on a hill. In a way, the lyrics point a lot to that passage. Chad goes on, For me, I was going through my Bible and thinking about this song and came across 2 Timothy chapter, two, or chapter 1, verse 6 where Paul tells Timothy to stir up, rekindle, fan the flame, and keep burning the inner fire that is in him. Our desire for this song is that we don't settle into our salvation, but that we keep an open heart for what God wants to do in and through us. Not only an open heart, but I'm constantly struggling in my own life with being consistent and putting in the work to build my relationship with God not to be misconstrued that it makes God's love love us any more or not. After finishing his interview, Kevin had the following, with Chad, Kevin had the following experience. He just had a conversation with his son about the Action Bible that he thought was so amazing. It was a cool Bible, cool Bible, and I suggest we read it together. His son said that they hadn't read it in a while and asked if that makes God love us any less. He simply responded to him, no, not at all. One of the things to remember is that God loves us absolutely, no matter what we do. 
if we want to grow in our relationship with God, and if we want a fire to burn bright, we need to do what Paul is telling Timothy. We need to stir up, rekindle, fan the flame, and keep burning the inner fire, that gracious gift that is in us, God's Holy Spirit. Now, even though Paul isn't necessarily talking about starting a fire in 2 Timothy, he is talking about being bold. He's telling him to be bold in his faith because of having been given a timid spirit, and sometimes maybe he was just a people pleaser. Being bold, being proactive, and using our gifts for the kingdom of God comes from the Holy Spirit. I already use my gifts, and I can still feel unfulfilled. It's continuing to build that relationship to draw nearer to God and make my relationship with him our priority, and the main concern is how the fire stirs and grows and is undeniable for man to see. We want God to stir that fire. I want my life to be on fire for God. If I'm on fire for God, I will be bold. I want to have the fire in me and want to lay down my life for Jesus. We have the fire of God in us, and we need to take it upon ourselves to fan the flame and shine his light in us. I'm going to simply end my message with a question for you. If you're a new disciple, are you ready to have the Holy Spirit start a fire in you? And if you're an experienced disciple, are you ready for the Holy Spirit to rekindle your flame? Amen.